This is CliffCentral.com. Hello and welcome to Animal Central on CliffCentral.com. As you all well know, this is the only show in South Africa dedicated to animals and the people that love them. I'm your host, Ainsley Hay. And we have a very um, interesting topic that we're going to be speaking about today. I think it's something that is a lot more common than we realize. Um, it's something that affects animals. It's something that affects people as well. Um, and I think... Um, as I said, it's something that is a lot more common than we realize, and it's something that really affects our pets' um, quality of life. So I'm joined in studio today by the brilliant Dr. Niels Duplessis. <laughs> Hello, Niels. Welcome. Hi, Anthony. Thanks for having me here. And yes, I think this is a very, very interesting and important little um, topic. It is, mm. completely. So first of all, you're a specialist surgeon from Foy's Veterinary Hospital, correct? Yeah, so I've specialized in surgery. I've done okay. my normal veterinary degree. Yes. And then I I spent another six years specializing in small animal surgery. Oh. Um, and one of the things we do see on a very regular basis is specific little thing you're going to be talking yes. about. Yes. And that is arthritis in a lot of our pets, dogs yeah. and cats. Yep. And um, the effect that that has on the quality of life and what we can or cannot do about it for them. Definitely. So let's go to the word arthritis first. What does arthritis mean? Well, actually, it's essentially a combination of two things. Arthro, which is essentially means joint. Okay. Itis, which is always a little thing that indicates inflammation. Okay. Thing. So it's inflammation of a joint or okay. joints. Um, and inflammation is painful yes. as a rule. Okay. Um, there's the signs of inflammation, which is pain and redness and swelling and heat okay. and loss of function. And and whether you cut yourself or scratch yourself and that little area becomes red yes. and inflamed and tender to the touch, essentially a similar process that happens in joints. Okay. Um, and that's oh, why wow. these joints become sore and that's why they become inflamed and that's why dogs don't want to use them or animals don't okay. want to use them. Huh. Wow, yeah. So I think... Because arthritis is quite a general term that's used. Is it? Is that right? Yeah, arthritis is a very general term, and there's various causes. I mean, it could be anywhere from you know medical issues, and that's what we call immune immune mediated arthritis okay. type things, where the body's immune system launches a reaction against its own joints. Oh dear. Um, then there's what we most often more see is called degenerative joint disease. Yes. So it just means that, that, and that's usually more your older dogs or, you know, there's, there's a different trigger for it. But it, it's usually more joints that just over time don't function as well. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, often like anyone who's been a little bit older and you start mm. getting a creaky joint and a sore mm. joint and you do something and the joint's a little bit sore. It's a wear and tear thing often. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a it's a consequence of something else. Okay, okay. So with so that you touched a bit on the are those the main causes um, of arthritis in our pets? I think probably the ones we see the most um, is probably and that's what I see you know in practice. I, I don't see that many of the medical cases, but I see a lot of the surgical okay. cases, and a lot of those cases the underlying cause is essentially. Um, either these little dogs that are born and grow up with joints that don't develop properly, okay, and because they don't develop properly, these joints become abnormal and sore at a very young mm. age, 
or you get your older dogs. That's mm. just a wear and tear mm. thing. You know, they've been running around the bouncing yeah. their whole lives and suddenly things start becoming little old labbies. Creepy. There we yeah. go. And then we do see the odd ones that's got, you know, a trauma as a, okay. as a trigger. Cool. But those are actually relatively few and far between. Those are the motor car accidents that damage your joint specifically and that's about Okay. So I think the cases that I see or the patients that I see mostly is essentially either your older dogs. Yes. It's just really just because of age associated yeah. issues. And then you have the dogs that's got congenital issues but from a young age like hip dysplasia or mm. issues that's got a bit of a genetic you know part to it and a bit of a food part to it mm. and as these dogs grow these joints don't develop properly mm. and they start causing problems from a young young age already and do do you think that the incidences of arthritis in these younger dogs with the sort of hip dysplasia type things do you think it's the incidences are increasing or do you think our diagnosis and awareness is is more Unfortunately, I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Mm. I think the incidence is definitely increasing. Mm. I think that's got to a large degree to do with, with, uh, we as men has, has changed the dog essentially mm. from something that's about a 20 odd kilo, 25 kilo mm-hmm. wild dog to anything that weighs from one and a half kilo <laughs> yeah. adult size, usually your little Yorkies to something yeah. that goes over a hundred kilos, exactly. which is a great Dane. Yeah. And, and unfortunately the more we start changing these things, the more the growth problems start mm. coming in. Um, and I think we probably see more. There are some breeds that's, that's cleaned up the act quite a bit. Okay. Um, that we're actually seeing, or I'm in practice in the NHK, seeing um, a bit of a drop oh, that's um, good. in incidence. But then you get your newer breeds, and mm. like, for instance, the Burbles, your giant mm-hmm. breeds, that since they've been given like registration, mm. uh, you can actually see there's been an increase now because what happened is the people are breeding for these massive big mm-hmm. dogs with the massive big heads mm-hmm. and their joints are going. Yeah. Um, no one is looking after them. Yeah. And then you're getting like to your Rottweilers and your German Shepherds and your Labbies to a degree where there's a lot of effort that's been put into screening these dogs and, yes. and trying to breed what we can. Healthy animals. Screening as yeah. healthy as we can. And we do definitely see that that, you know, our risk drops there. Yes. Um, but once again, genetics is the throw of a dice. I mean, you yeah. can have perfect parents and still have trouble, yeah. but it's the best that we can do. Yeah. No, that is very true. So when we're talking about arthritic joints, I think let's let's focus because uh, am I right that arthritis happens with cats as well? Yeah, by all means. Um, okay. A cat, we don't just don't see that commonly because mm. cats are, 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 are light. Um, there's a rule a bit more agile and they tend yes. to hide things better. Okay. Um, but yes, there are some studies that show that probably about 70 to 80% of cats over 67 yeah. years of age will have oh. some form of arthritis. They just hide it. Yes. And cats are very often active more in the evening, yep. more at night. We don't necessarily see them. Yeah. And yes, it may be something as simple from suddenly it's just not jumping on, exactly. on, you know, on the bench, the counter, on the counter yeah. anymore, but jumping on to a chair or you know so these minor little changes in behavior yeah. that slowly but surely creeps in and I think that's part, probably part of the big issue with this is a lot of these things are slow small changes mm. that creep in over time and people don't notice mm. it until you actually start managing mm-hmm. that pain and suddenly you see with just this animal suddenly he's happier, again, yeah. he's happier again and he joins in got quality of life again yeah there we go but now let's okay if we're talking about dogs so when we say joints which which are the most common joints that are affected by arthritis with dogs i think in dogs we're probably looking at at front legs we're looking okay. at, at elbows mm-hmm. um, back legs we're looking at hips mm. and knees more okay. than anything else so those are probably the the, the three most common okie dokie 
So then we talked, you said a little bit about the symptoms of inflammation. And obviously we, we can't see those symptoms within the joint. Unlike, as you say, when we cut ourselves. So what are the other symptoms that our pet owners and pet lovers can look out for? And what are sort of very good hints that the animals may be suffering from a bit of arthritis? Angela, I think the, the most obvious one is, is, an obvious limp or mm-hmm. obvious lameness, or you see your dog's gait is uneven, or they lift a leg when they mm-hmm. stand. I think those are the fairly obvious ones. Um, what you will often see in puppies with with joint problems mm-hmm. um, that's painful is that they, although they'll play, I'll often have clients that say, but this dog will usually be in the middle and other dogs will be running a, a okay. around them. You know, they often don't participate in okay. play as much. Or what you may see is if they do for some reason, because the moment the excitement goes, mm. they get adrenaline and endorphins mm. and everything blocks the pain and they just go. <laughs> and once huh? they settle down, they say, oh, oh. Damn, now we saw. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then you may notice that they're a bit stiff in getting up. Okay. You know, that type of thing. But the puppies, it's often, 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 often I get people say, the moment we start managing pain, yeah, suddenly he's playing again. Wow. And again. With your older dogs or your even cats, it becomes very, very difficult mm. because it's a slow onset mm. thing. Often, I'm not talking about the joint that say suddenly injured okay. is obviously sore, but it's small things from, you know, a little bit stiff getting up, mm. you know, in the mornings, you know, then people tend to to see that you know they 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 warm up a little bit, so they get going in a few minutes, and okay. the dog appears a bit more comfortable. Um, I think that's probably the most subtle thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay, so those those are the common some of the common things, and I think that's such a it's such a common sight to see an old dog struggling to get down or struggling to get up, and I don't think I don't think owners make a connection that that's actually painful. I think they just they think oh well he's old and he struggles a bit, but you know there's things that we can do to help dramatically with that. I mean if you think of yourself if you've got something like a Back pain, which us as practice, as veterinarians and veterinary nurses know all too well. It's, it's a, it's a continual sort of thing and it's not something that's very enjoyable to live Mm. with. And I think modern veterinary medicine has progressed, um, amazingly lately and there's all sorts of amazing, um, things that you can do. Um, so maybe we should speak a bit about that. What are the, what are some of the different modalities that are used to help with arthritis? And does it, uh, is there a difference between, say, if it's your, a young animal with arthritis or an older animal with arthritis? Hmm. I always say this, the earlier we can pick it up, okay. the better. Okay. Um, specifically dog with hip and elbow problems mm. because at a young age, while joints develop, we can often Either through surgery mm-hmm. or through modifying lifestyle, okay. make a difference. Um, but when we look at management of the classic middle-aged sore animal, yeah, um, it essentially hinges on. I always say pain management number one, mm-hmm. um, lifestyle management. Okay, um, that's very important, and, and that's often what. People don't get and dogs, unfortunately, mm. also don't because you take pain away, they want to go and play. <laughs> and if you have sore joints, you take pain away and you go and play on them or bounce on them or do funny things on them, yeah. you're going to be sore afterwards. Yeah. Then we're looking at, at lifestyle, I would also include weight management, yes. um, which, which in dogs makes a dramatic difference mm. um, as far as overweight dogs is concerned mm-hmm. um, and cats as well um, as far as, as pain management is concerned. Then we look at um, rehabilitation. Okay. And rehabilitation, I think we're fortunate at the moment that over the past few years, 
um, animal rehabilitation is starting to take off mm. um, quite a lot, which is essentially almost like physiotherapy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're not allowed to call it physiotherapy. <laughs> um, so, but there's 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 a lot of work is now going into hydrotherapy, swimming exercises. Mm. There's physiotherapeutic modalities that okay. can be used. Um, in to try and give these animals some pain control. There's mm-hmm. exercise programs that can be worked out for the old animals mm-hmm. that reduces impact, that helps to keep joints mobile, um, you know, that type of thing. And, and then nutrition, I think, also plays a fairly yes. large role. There's extremely good diets on the market these days that, that target joint disease yes. and joint pain. And, it's, and most of those diets are, is a very, well, a very gentle way of giving a significant amount of pain relief wow. um, to these animals. And, I mean, how easy is that? So it's actually in, in, included in the dog food that it's you feed an, your dog every single day. It's included in the dog food. So there's, there's um, some of your omega fatty acids. Okay. Um, we talk about omega-3 and omega-6, and it's about the ratio and the amounts mm-hmm. that's included in these food that targets that as an anti-inflammatory action on oh, joints. Wow. Some of these foods do have some cartilage Precursors in what okay. we call um, food supplements yes. that's supposed to help joints remain healthy. Um, so yeah, a lot of these things is as easy as just wow. changing the diet, bringing the weight down a bit, yeah. and modifying lifestyle. And often we can give a significant amount of pain relief wow. um, by just doing just a the few diet. simple things. And is it? Am I correct that even one of these foods has actually made? The dog food that has the joint supplements and all of that, and it's got a weight loss factor to the food as well. Yep. So it's ticking all the boxes. It's ticking absolutely <laughs> all those boxes. I mean, that is that is easy. I wish I had something like that for me, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> I think all of us wish for that little miracle. Yeah, that's man. For sure. I think they should start packaging out food for Completely. us. Completely. Well. <laughs> oh, no, I'll, I'll be the first one there. Yeah. Um, so the joint supplements, I think there's a lot that's available. Mm. Are they, is there any control over whether they are uh, good rubbish? I think, I think the joint supplements, and this is my opinion, mm-hmm. and I may get crucified for it, but it's okay. It's an experienced <laughs> and qualified <laughs> opinion. <okay. laughs> um, there's, there's not a huge amount of, of physical science okay. backing it up. Um, we know what cartilage contains. A cartilage is essentially like a big sponge. Mm-hmm. That's, that's got like a little protein network and contains okay. water. So it okay. gives it a bit of a bounciness. And then there's little, little cells that live in there that keep things healthy. Mm. Um, and we know those little, those little protein bundles and things are made up of certain things. And the theory is that some of these supplements contain the building blocks of that cartilage. Okay. So you feed it to the dog and it should be absorbed. So in theory okay. it should help this. There's also some some of those things that do contain something like green lip muscle extract mm-hmm. that has have some anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. action that's been proven. But science-wise, there's not a huge amount backing it up. Okay. But um, we're looking at, if we look at evidence-based medicine, yes. uh, there's, there's there's two sort of like legs. The one is, is science-based and the mm-hmm. one is evidence-based. Mm-hmm. So science tells you, I can tell you on a molecular level exactly why this works. Mm-hmm. Evidence-based says, I cannot necessarily tell it why, it why it works, but the evidence points to the fact that okay. it does work. Okay. So in some patients, we do have evidence that some of these supplements do seem to okay. help. Um, I think people just need to be extremely careful about 
what they buy and need mm. to stick to a reputable company. Yeah. Um, because every six months there's a new one coming on yes. the market and, yeah. and, 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 and this one's got that and this one's got yeah. the flavor of the month drug. <laughs> But I think they do have the potential to help, and I don't think there's a huge amount of potential to do harm. Well, that's good. Um, but stick to a well-known okay. manufacturing company. So it would be a good recommendation. If, if, if a vet stocks it, that would be a, a very sound. Yeah, that would probably be oh, your best option. Bigger. I mean, we stock, I think, about three products in, okay. the, in the practice, and, and we try and stay to reputable brands. Yes. And, and stuff that we have a bit of background okay. in. Um, and I always say if the budget allows it, by all means do it. Yes. It's okay. not going to do any harm. It doesn't That's have the good. potential to do good. But if you were on a limited budget, it would be far more recommended to do the proper diet, you I would, would say. Food. I would spend yeah. my money on the okay. proper diet because the moment you spend your money on the proper diet, some of these diets, diets that has been proven as a diet, scientifically, clinically, uh. in trials, that reduces your need for pain medication wow. dramatically. That's amazing. So what you're now doing is you're not only giving your animal pain relief, and it's out for cats as well mm-hmm. and dogs. Okay. You're not giving them pain relief in a very gentle way. But you actually, if you if you deduct the price of what your pain medication mm-hmm. would have cost you from the price of that diet, okay. it becomes a very cheap diet. Wow. So... If I've got money for one thing and one thing only, it's yeah. change diet. Okay. Okay. No, that's that's very good advice because obviously there there are um, there are repercussions of sort of long term use of pain pain medicine as well. Yeah. Look, I think with pain medication is what's the lesser of the evils. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I think I think all, almost all of the pain medication that we do use long term. Mm. Because um, these are, this is a long-term condition. It's 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 there to stay. Once, is it reversible at all? No, arthritis. Okay. Once you have it, that's it. Okay. It is a continuous process. It's not reversible. It's not curable. Mm-hmm. But what we try and do, we try and manage it. We okay. try and limit the amount of damage, and we try and limit the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, unfortunately, as with all medication, and that's why even in human pain medication, there was uh, one or two drugs a few years ago that were taken off the market because. Okay. It showed that in humans using it long term, it increases the chance of cardiovascular disease, mm. like heart attacks. Okay. The downside is, and um, as you as well said, most of us do, who's in the veteran profession, do have yeah. some sort of back issues <laughs> and pain issues. Is that you've got to manage is it? That you've got to manage yeah. it. And at the end of the day, what is the consequence exactly. of chronic yeah. pain? There's no quality of life yep. in humans. It gives you rise to depression and mm. lots of nasty side effects. So mm. it becomes a lesser of the evils. Mm-hmm. So what we do. Try and do um, when we do put these animals on long-term treatment. And long-term treatment, I mean every day of their life, mm-hmm. year in year out, because without it, they are mm-hmm. in pain. Without mm-hmm. it, they have no quality of yeah. life. Is we do try and monitor, we do try and keep an eye on on what their liver values and mm-hmm. you know, what the liver function is like, mm-hmm. what the kidney function is like, and we do at least twice a year, in some cases even up to four times a year. We draw better blood and okay. just check the function of these organs because those are essentially the organs that metabolize these drugs mm-hmm. and excrete them. But the ones, again, as I told, uh, I've told many a client, I, said, I would rather have 10 years of pain-free yeah. life than it being chronic constant pain. I yep. can't do anything. And that's what often then ends up in these animals being put to sleep yep. because they yeah. do not have quality of exactly. life. Um, so, yeah, I think at the end of the day is… Yeah. Lesser of the evils. And I think that's, that's one of the most important things with something like, like arthritis. So if your pet is diagnosed with arthritis, you need to realize that it's, it, you, you need to be a very responsible owner and it's, mm. you, you walk, you walk the path sort of with hand in hand with your vet. Yep. I think with this type of thing, you've got to be very 
knowledgeable. And my approach is always is I sit my, my clients down and mm-hmm. I have a piece of paper and I draw pictures for them. And I explain <laughs> to them how it works and I explain to them what cartilage is like and how that works. Um, and I try and get them to understand what is happening mm-hmm. um, and then to get them to understand what my aims are with treatment. Okay. Um, and then it's a process that I walk with them, mm. that we start the dog or the cat on a specific type of treatment and we see what the effect is. Okay. And we modify the lifestyle. We get them into a rehabilitation program. We try and modify the food. So we add a f- quite a few things together and then we see clinically how mm. this pet does. And the owners, unfortunately, often the best judge. Yes. And they will often get back to you and say, yeah, suddenly he's playing and suddenly he's mm. this and suddenly he's that. And once we get things to settle down, then we start tapering okay. the program okay. a bit. We taper the rehabilitation program, we taper the medicines a bit, we drop the ones that are potentially a bit more worse than the other ones. Okay. And we try and get down to a maintenance level. Mm-hmm. And it's either medication or just food and rehabilitation okay. or, you know, whatever is needed. Okay. Um, and a lot of those owners, once you they walk that path, they actually start managing mm. these animals themselves. They start knowing. It's like I've, I've told people, don't take your 80-year-old granny that's got arthritis and expect her to go and play <laughs> rugby or yeah. netball or whatever with a 15-year-old yeah. and then expect her not to. Exactly. People's going to make that mind switch. Yeah. And then start taking ownership of it. Start understanding the process, understanding what's happening, and then get back to me. It's a consultation. Okay. It's a continuous feedback process. And we tape and we change. We tape and we change. And we monitor. And we try that's and give brilliant. those animals as pain-free life as we can. And that's that's so important. I mean, listeners, it's not seeing a dog struggling to get up or get down or running on three legs or, you know, you can see that they're obviously lame. They're not lame because they feel like it. They're not lame because they know you're going to give them more treats yeah. or they, they're smart. But <laughs> um, no, it's because they are in pain and pain, chronic pain is a really, it's a really horrible thing to live with. So I think it's very, very important that... We're having this talk and we're getting this info out there because it affects a lot more animals um, than I think people people realize. So you said you talked about the weight loss aspect. I think that's also something that's very important. Um, and it's often a very difficult thing to speak about to owners in practice. <laughs> Because, yeah, because I mean, a lot of us, including myself, are completely in denial. And the thing about our animals is that I think a lot of animals nowadays are actually overweight. No, I unfortunately think so. So what, what we've started doing, I've, I've got a little, my little picture on the wall of my mm-hmm. consult room and these pictures of different dogs in okay. different, you know, stages of oh. weight gain. And you actually take, I actually take the owner or the parent, as you. some of them are there, and I say, <laughs> okay, <laughs> have focus. a look here. There's, there's your dog. Yeah. There's the pictures. Where would you place your dog? Okay. And that gives them a body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. And often, often that, just helps, you know, sort of just saying your dog's fat. Yes. They've actually got a comparison that they They've can see. Something that they could work against. Mm. And yes, I always say if there's nothing wrong, mm-hmm. a little bit of extra weight is probably not an issue at all. Mm-hmm. The problem is the moment you have painful joints yeah. now, that weight starts making it, yeah. a major hassle. Yeah. So, and then it, then it's down to the point that they have to make the decision. Do you want, an overweight, yeah. very painful dog. Yeah. Do we want to drop that weight and know if we can drop 30% of that weight, 70% of the pain is going to go away? Yep. 
That's a very good line. way of putting you it. You know, fairly straightforward. Wow. So you decide. Do you want to kill them with kindness? Yeah. Or do you want feeding them treats? And unfortunately, it's never. It's always <laughs> yeah, but the husband, <laughs> and the wife, and the, the other stories, kid. the there stories <laughs> that you hear. It's absolutely no, no, no. I promise you, he only gets four kibbles in the morning, uh-huh. three at lunchtime, and then okay, it's and <laughs> treats. You know, he gets a bag of drivors every day. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and I think there's and been. Daddy gives a bit of gives exactly. a bit of biscuit and then in the a rusk in the morning, all of it. And I think there's been um um listeners, if you go and Google, I think there's been some amazing comparative charts saying basically the equivalent of you give your dog one Simba Chippy. That's the equivalent because we think of a lot of us, including myself, anthropomorphize before the fires our children mm-hmm. and see them as humans and. You don't think for you to eat a Simba Chippy is nothing, but for your dog and your dog's size, it's actually a huge. So if you, they eat a Simba Chippy, it's the same as you eating a whole burger or whatnot. Exactly. So there's just do yourself a, uh, um, a favor and Google it and see the comparative because you don't think you think, oh, it's just one chippy, man. Come now, it doesn't make a difference, but it does make a difference. <laughs> no, but I think, you know, it's, it, and it's quite funny because I'm surprisingly I'm very strict with my dog's weight. I've got a little French bulldog, Gus, love of my life. But I keep him very lean. There we go. Very lean. You can feel his ribs. He's got a little floating rib. So everyone touches him. And says, oh my god, your dog's so thin. I said, nah, ah, ah, ah. He's very well muscled, yeah. and he's actually in this. This is perfect body condition because yeah. most Frenchies you see are little tubs of lard. They're humongous, and they're prone to spinal problems and all the other the breathing issues. Exactly. Yeah. So that just exacerbates everything that these animals go through. So if, if you love your animals, I think it's very important that you do have a serious talk to yourself about their weight and get some professional advice. And I, I, I I think one of the other big mistakes, and this is weight and food included Mm -hmm. is, is specifically when these little, these little dogs or cats are very well, specifically dogs, cats, Mm -hmm. not that much, but specifically your larger breed dogs Mm -hmm. is when they're young, these people overfeed them. Overfeed them, overfeed them, overfeed them. You get these puppies and, oh, what is this puppy fat? Oh, Oh. what is this? this?" (laughs) And I mean, there's research that's shown if, if that puppy gets, gets the incorrect food or overfed between the age of six to eight weeks, that has potential consequences for his as he grows up. So from the early stage of six from to eight six weeks. six to eight weeks, two <gasps> weeks of incorrect feeding can have consequences. That'll affect his, him for the rest of his rest life. of his life on his <gasps> joints. And I think that's why it's wow. extremely important is, is get your vet involved from mm. a very early age. There are some of these things like, for instance, early hip problems. I mean, mm. I can pick up potential hip problems on puppies as, as young as four months of age. And I'm talking about oh. labby, your larger yeah. puppies. And at that age, there's a huge amount that we can do. Wow, okay. From both a surgical pers- perspective as well as a rehabilitation perspective, that's going to make yeah. a massive difference to that dog mm. for the rest of his life. So what you're doing is that first year, you're investing in the rest of his life. Oh, that's a wonderful so way you stuff it. it up there, yeah. the rest of his life is bearing... The consequences yeah. of having the consequences. And not only is your dog going to be in pain, your dog's going to have a limited life. Exactly. Your pocket's going to feel it as well. Yeah, exactly. Because now you're starting to pain medication. Yeah. You're starting to do this and that. And you're starting 20, yeah. 30, 40, 50 bucks a month. Just on, or not, not a month, a day. Exactly. Just on medication to keep pain wow. levels under control. So I would, I would really advise the people get 
your vet involved from a very that yes. very first vaccination consultation. Sure. Yeah. The second one, the third one. If it's a large breed or at risk breed, we can do a little test that we can just check for it. Yeah, that young age you talk about hip laxity. And okay. which is the hips hip is a ball and socket joint and it should fit nice and snug. Yes. And in some of these dogs these these joints are just loose. Yeah. They they literally they almost pop in and out. And if at that age we already pick up a problem Jeez. they're starting to term the coin juvenile hip dysplasia now. Okay. All Already. So if between four and five months I pick up there's a problem, we can make sure. a major difference wow. at that age because now already we're starting to manage dog's weight, we're starting to manage his diet, we try and get him into maybe Rehab. a rehabilitation, mm. a swimming program, developing his bum mm-hmm. muscles. There's a very simple surgery we can do that mm-hmm. helps the hips to develop better at that age. Okay. But once we go over five months, we've lost that window. Wow. Then we're looking at major surgery major, later yeah. if surgery okay. is going to help or we're looking at a hip replacement or we're looking at mm. lifetime management mm-hmm. of pain. Mm. So, Jeez, yeah. but I suppose that also brings a whole new burden onto these people that breed animals and sell animals because mm-hmm. now... I, Everyone knows I'm not the biggest fan of breeders. <laughs> I will say this till the mm-hmm. day that I die because I mean it. But now, not only if you're going to go and buy a puppy from a breeder, not only are you entrusting that that breeder has vaccinated the puppy properly, which they often do not, has has dewormed the pup- puppy properly, but also now that it has fed the puppy properly, especially if it's a large breed. Because what was the what was that gap? You said five to six weeks. Six to eight weeks. Six to eight six weeks. To eight weeks. That so decent breeders, food. decent breeders, the puppy should be with its mum until eight weeks. Mm-hmm. You, owners shouldn't be getting puppies before eight mm-hmm. weeks for their social development mm-hmm. and all of that. So now, not only if you're going to buy a dog from a breeder, are you more than likely going to do- get a dog possibly with parvo, but a dog with hip dysplasia or a dog with joint problems? And that that's my opinion and mine only. <laughs> no, I understand that. I think but the yeah. main thing is if, if people do go out and they are good, good breeders out there, but specifically at at-risk breeds, yes. um, and those are usually your, your, your Labradors, your Shepherds, okay. your larger breed dogs, is ask for a grading. There's a grading Okey-dokey. system that goes in a lot of these dogs. Elbows are graded, hips are graded. Okay. It's registered with the Kennel Union of South Africa. Now, mm-hmm. they, they don't control breeding, but they just register it. Mm. So they get certified, and, and, and there's a, a scale that those parents are, are certified on as far as excellent hips to bad hips, as far as excellent oh, elbows to bad okay. elbows. And if you have a, a breather that that's doing the best that yes, possibly okay. can, they will be open with yes. all that. And they'd have all that information because well, they exactly. would want to be breeding the healthiest dogs possible. Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, when we take a look at this type of thing, we talk about genotypic and phenotypic. Okay. Genotypic is what the animals carries in their genes. And mm-hmm. We don't have a way of... Of targeting hip displays or elbow displays okay. yet. There are a lot of gene tests now, like eye problems, that we can pick up okay. from a genetic test so we can prevent, to, you know, breeding animals with that okay. in totality. I've got like Australian cattle dogs and they suffer from, from retinal atrophy. Yes. But we now get a DNA test that tests the parents that say parents are clear, parents are carriers, wow. parents are affected. So you now know exactly who you breed to who. Oh. What your offspring is going to be. So you're not breeding offspring that's going to go blind at five or six or seven years of age. You can now breed offspring that will never go blind. Okay. That's brilliant. Unfortunately, with hips and elbows, we don't have it yet. Okay. So what we can do is, is these, these dogs get x-rayed, um, when they're skeletally mature, usually about a year and a half okay. of, of age, these x-rays send, is sent away to a certified radiologist. Mm-hmm. Someone and this would be the mom and the dad of the puppy. Mom and the okay. dad. And then they get a certificate that says this is this is the quality of the hips, this is the quality of the elbows, and there's a grading 
system there. And then there's guidelines that say you may not breed this grade to that grade. And it's to try and to try and breed out a lot of these problems. Okay. Um, and if you have a good breeder, they will be very open with the mm-hmm. parents' histories. Mm-hmm. And they will give that to you up front. And yes, as I said, genetics is a throw of the dice. But mm. currently that's the best we can okay. do. So we can screen the parents on what we see, not Brilliant. necessarily on what they carry. But it's okay. also then very important that that breeder gets feedback. Yes. If there's okay. a problem with From that, the that's, and that's yes. usually where I've got the biggest issue with some breeders is oh. they don't like that. Oh, dear. They don't like that because oh, suddenly it reflects on my dogs and, 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 and. Oh. and because, unfortunately, like hips and elbows is what's called a multifactorial yeah. disease. So genetics play a role, food play a okay. role, and environment play a role. You know, a lot of them will hide behind, oh. you know. I've had one breeder I know in their little thing. It says, you know, every care is taken with the hips, but... Um, you know, these two thing, factors also, we don't take any responsibility <gasps> for hip problems. And that's, that's dirty. That's rubbish. That's dirty. That's rubbish. Uh, so, <laughs> that's the only way we can, we can okay. eradicate or at least reduce the incidence. Like I said, there are some breeds that are really cleaning up the act. Good. Um, that's very good to hear. Yeah. Sure, that's, that's very good to hear. And we will be back shortly. Download the Cliff Central app. Available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Okay, so we're back now. I'm joined in studio by the great Dr. Niels Duplessis. He is a specialist surgeon from Fourways Veterinary Hospital. We are having an absolutely fascinating conversation about arthritis and pets. I'm learning an awful lot, and I hope that you are too, listeners. So I think um, one of the other um, tools used to help um, – especially dogs with arthritis, is surgery. And we haven't really spoken about that in any detail. So you want to tell us a bit about the options there? Yeah. yeah I think <laughs> where to start? Yeah, where to start? <laughs> I, think, I think, unfortunately, a lot of the surgery for arthritic issues is what we call salvage procedures. Okay. Unless we pick up some of these problems at a very young age, surgery essentially becomes... Yeah, a salvage thing. Mm. In other words, it's not necessarily going to give them a pain-free life, but, you know, it should be a less painful life than what they otherwise okay. would have had. So for us in the very young puppies, um, large breed puppies between four and five months of age, there's a little procedure where we can actually actually change the growth of the pelvis. It's called the juvenile pubic symphysiodesis. It's okay. a fairly fancy word, but juvenile hmm. just means young. Mm-hmm. Pubis is the bottom almost what we call the suture line of the pelvis. Pelvis, okay. The symphysis is, is, is that little growth center there. Okay. And this is just means that we, we stopping growth there. So oh. because the pelvis is a box, um, it grows essentially symmetrically. So if we can stop the bottom part of the growth, we actually force the top part to oh. cover the hips better. So that's something that we can do that that's makes clever. a major difference. Um, and then in some of the other younger dogs, specifically with elbow problems, mm-hmm. we can, um, open those little elbow joints up and mm-hmm. take the little problems out and that will help um, long term to improve it. Um, with hips as well, there's a procedure called a triple pelvic osteotomy. Mm-hmm. Where we actually go and cut three parts of the pelvis and we twist the whole hip joint sure. to give the hip better coverage. And then when you get to older dogs, you're starting looking at joint replacements now. Okay. Um, and joint replacements in animals is, sure. is, is really taking off. Um, mm. I think hip replacements 
has been sorted out mostly. Okay. Um, and I think the success rate there is fairly high, hmm. probably about 90%. Wow. Um, Albury placements is coming online, but there's still lots of kinks to, yeah. to, to iron out there. Knee replacements are coming in. Um, okay. There's still some kinks to sure. work out there. So we're working on it. Unfortunately, these procedures are, as a rule, quite expensive. Yes. All these implants are medical grade. They come all of them coming from either United States oh, or, wow. from, or from Europe. Sure. Um, but these things are available now okay. for like getting out there. Um, yeah. I think from a surgery point of view, that's probably about the limit. Okay. So it's, once again, just try and prevent it. Try and manage yeah. it. Yeah. And then… Are, are surgeries like that generally covered by pet, pet insurance? Is that an option? Uh, some of the these, I think there's about three pet insurance companies now that we use. Um, one of them is like a pet medical aid, and they cover a specific amount. They say we've got a contracted in fee, and for this procedure we'll call it cover X amount. Okay. Uh, there's other two other pet insurance or medical insurance company, and they give you a global amount per year that you can okay. use. Um, so they will cover, depends on how much those surgeries okay. are on, what your limit is. They may cover most of it or part of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's, I don't, don't think those things are within the, no. anyone's budget. No. And I think it's so heartbreaking because you see, you see it so often in practice and people come in with their Labrador puppy, six months old, well, maybe not Labradors now that they're cleaning up, but you know, it's absolutely heartbreaking when you, you think you've got the, a bright future ahead with your dog and you realize that it's got such serious problems. I think, I think for me, the worst part about it is, is I sometimes have to put very young puppies mm. to, to, to sleep because yeah. They come in there, they're eight months old, and yeah. the, the, the hips are gone, the, the elbows are gone, yep. the knees are giving problems. What chance do they have? What chance do they have? You've got a dog that's got to have an adult weight of 70 or 80 kilos never and he's got make the rest it. of his life ahead of him. Um, mm. So, yes, some of, these, uh, some of these conditions we can help, mm. we can help a lot. Mm. Um, but if you start getting all four legs affected, people have got to think very carefully where they want to go. Yeah. Um, even even these young labbies with or young dogs with with bad hips, if we manage them well, we know we're going to get most of them fairly pain free by about a yeah. year and a half of age. But that still means yeah, it's about a year's worth of putting in effort. Uh-huh. Um, and then usually mm-hmm. they're doing fairly okay. And as they get older, you start having problems uh-huh. again. But but yep, I think our success with managing a lot of these cases, I think, fairly good. But yeah. people have to be committed and it's, active from the beginning. It's, exactly, they have to commit. They mm. have to be in there. And they have to know it's a lifelong process. Mm. It's a lifelong responsibility. It's mm. not just, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's not like, oh, today I won't give him his tablets no. or oh, we missed you a couple of weeks of tablets. Of yeah. You have to be on top of it every single And day. it's dreadful because it's so common. I mean, I hate it. I take, I take my boy Gus um, to walk heaven off and I was actually mm. there on Easter Monday. He had mm. a big roll in the mud and smelled like a swamp donkey. Mm. But, and you can actually see, I, I have a very biased eye, obviously, and you can see these dogs with just with these hips and they are just, you look at them and you just think, Oh goodness. Oh, there's, there's a whole, whole world of badness there. Mm. Oh, and it is, I think it's, it's amazing how much we, we have progressed with veterinary medicine and surgery and the options. I mean, obviously I'm a bit rusty. I've been out of practice for a while, but I mean, flip when I was practicing, there was no, we didn't, we didn't think about elbow replacements. Yeah. So to hear that that's okay, starting. I think elbow, elbow replacements at the moment they say if putting to sleep is the only other other uh, option, option okay. because it's a complex joint but i mean these replacements are if 
10 years ago, hippie places were very iffy. Hippie places yeah. has been sorted out now. Wow. You know, success rate is extremely good. And we, we are getting there. Um, but yeah, it's a process. Yeah. Um, it's a process. And what about things? I heard about this recently. I think it's quite a new modality. What is your op- opinion on it? With stem cells and stem cell oh, treatments. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting <laughs> one. I think, I think my biggest issue with stem cells is there's a lot that they still need to, to prove okay. and to know. Okay. Um, I think from my point of view, what we do know about stem cells is that, yes, this, it does seem, the treatment does seem to give some pain relief. Okay. But the pain relief is not because these stem cells goes into the joints and they miraculously regenerate these, do- these joints. Okay. The physical act of injecting these stem cells uh, seems to have trigger a pain relief winding okay. reaction a local in the body. Way. Okay. Um, we do know that specifically putting stem cells into joints, like within about 36 hours, they're gone. Really? They've linked them um, to to little radioisotopes and sure. they're gone. So they don't go in there. Okay. They don't and make a brand new joint. joint. But, but there seems to be some pain relief involved. Okay. And I think that's fairly important. I think it's a big step in humans. They have gotten to the point where they can like grow certain little targeted things. Okay. Um, but it's also still fairly it's very new. It's a it's a process um, that you need to go through as far as harvesting. A lot of these um, companies work on fat and they harvest a bit of fat. So it's a light general anesthetic. They harvest a bit of fat. This is sent off to a company. They then grow these cells okay. out of that. They pass them on. They then send that back to your vet who then in, injects it. A lot of the stem cell therapies, they reckon, should be done, treatment should be done every three months. Okay. Um, and I've, I've had the outline that has gone that route and that has given positive feedback. But like I said, most, most of it seems to be pain relief. It's mm-hmm. not about growing okay. a joint or fixing a problem okay. or that type of thing. Um, I think maybe in a few more years when they, you know, things iron out, I, yes. think, I think it's it's got a brilliant possibility. Okay. I really do. Great. Um, but there's just too much we don't Still quite early, know Still early, early, early days. Absolutely. Okay. Hmm. So um, what, let's start. So I have a cat. Nubbin, mm-hmm. Nubbin is an unknown age because I, I adopted her from an SPCA. What are some of the signs that I must look out for if I were to think that she was becoming arthritic? So if she doesn't, the first would be if she doesn't jump up and get, eat her cat food. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably one of the first things okay. you're, you're going to see. If you do feed her from a height or you're going to find a less on the table, okay. a less on couches, that type of thing. That's probably one of the first things. She may also be a bit more prone to just lying around being a bit, not lethargic, but it's not <laughs> Being cat like. There we go. There we go. Being more of a cat than normal. There okay. We go. So the butler's now going to bring everything <laughs> to it, you know, instead of it going to the butler. Yes. So um, I think those are the main things. And and then, yeah, sometimes they, 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 they may not groom as well as they can. Okay. It becomes a That's bit more painful now one. to bend that back and to True. look and to do everything. Um, they can have point. a little bit of muscle loss. But unfortunately, what often happens in these animals is the less active they become, the more beast they become, yes. which also makes it worse. <laughs> huh? So uh, most of these things is essentially just a change, and it's usually a slow onset change just okay. in, in demeanor. Um, and with cats, we it's generally only the sort of obesity or old age-induced arthritis. That, do they get any genetic thingies going on? Apart from the really weird and wonderful uh, mm. birth defects. Nah. 
Okay. So the main thing, the main thing would be in keeping, keeping the cat's weight down, which can be quite tricky, Mm -hmm. but luckily, um, most of your veterinary practices will have vet nurses, especially who do, um, could possibly offer weight loss clinics and they've got great suggestions on um, weight loss. I think weight loss with cats is a challenge. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially my cat. Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I think that's definitely, um, would you, that's definitely the first port of call if someone's worried about their, say, their cat, if they think that they may be. I think if they think that they may be, probably just get a decent, get an appointment with your general vet. vet and yeah. just, just have them go through and have them just, what we usually do, we, we examine those joints, call it an orthopedic examination. Okay. So we just go through the major, major joints and just check out what we call range of motion. Mm-hmm. As the joints are a little bit stiffer, is a little bit uncomfortable once you get to the limit of ranges. Um, yes, we can we can radiograph some of these joints, okay. um, and that's often a little bit. If your radiographs are good, you can see you know there's a bit of cartilage loss, a bit, okay, of, cartilage a bit of a change there. Often the spine will start seeing small little changes between the vertebra, um, small changes. Elbows. I've often seen cats, if you take an x-rays, and the elbows are quite markedly arthritic, and that's not why the cat came in for. Oh. You know, it's just the interview oh. for finding cats you know, are stoic. The <laughs> they are, yeah. and they, they, they light. As a rule, your, your smaller yes. and your lighter animals tend to do a little bit better. Okay. Your heavy animals yeah. tend to struggle a bit more. Um, and and then if there's an obesity issue, obviously get once again your vet involved. We've got we've got a weight loss clinic. Yes. So we have a dedicated girl who who we refer these cases Brilliant. to, and she sits down with these clients and she discusses the whole diet with them. She does weigh-ins with them. Great. These people get feedback. They get back to her. They do regular weigh-ins. She gets a little graph for them because if, I mean you don't want to lose like a crash course in, in ten you know, <laughs> two weeks. It was all weight. <laughs> you know it's also not. No. Uh, it's not good so, for their health. No, definitely <laughs> not. No, definitely not. Specifically not the cats. Um, yeah. So it's a guided process, and we yes. try and guide them. And over four to six to even eight months, just bring that weight down, yeah. and then have a look at these. Their medication-wise, that we can use. First of all, once again, once the weight is down, but specifically with cats, I would go the food route. Yes. Okay. With, so there is the food as well with cats. Yeah, oh. Absolutely. Um, it's just with cats, we're very limited as far as. As pain medication, yes. long pain medication okay. is 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 is. Uh, we don't have in cats in South Africa currently anything with long-term registration that we can use really? for pain. Well, that's um, not good. Yep, unfortunately. So what we do use, we do use some of these drugs because we do have international data that yes. that we use. Okay. In other words, UK data where some of these drugs are registered for long-term use. Okay. So there is stuff that we can do from a good. pain, a pain or anti-inflammatory. Treatment point of view, but cats as a rule are a little bit more difficult. Yeah, seriously, they just don't metabolize drugs as well as dogs do. The kidneys are much more prone to having issues. Mm. So the same thing again. Once we start, before we start long term thing, we do a full health profile on them. We check Mm. kidney function, check liver function, Mm. and we on a regular basis keep an eye on that. Um, and then what we will often see is your your supplements in, in cats, I think, play a much bigger role than in dogs. Oh, really? Um, okay. Just because we don't have the mm. range of mm. treatment that we can use. Even hydrotherapy, getting a cat in a swimming pool. Really? Oh, yes. Does that happen? Oh, yes, it happens. Do the hydrotherapists end up intact? Or they, I just imagine lots of bleeding and scratching oh, and yeah. cursing. Gosh, they actually got little, like, like little life jackets that they can actually <laughs> no. jacket to look at in. And some of them, once they get used to it, they, really? they have 
absolutely fine with that. My yeah. cat would, oh no, she would yeah. disown me. <laughs> no, oh, that's it. fascinating. Look, not all cats take to it, but yeah, oh, it is an option. options are definitely there. Sure. Yeah, I think, as you said, um, the physical therapy rehabilitation side of things is definitely. I'm very excited about yeah. that. I'm really excited about that. I mean, if you take it on, on a human, how many of us have gone to a physiotherapist? Mm. You saw, you this, you mm. have surgery. And for many years, this has been neglected yep. in the veterinary profession. Mm. Many years. And I'm very happy to say that there's a few very nice rehabilitation mm. facilities now in the area that's mm. that's opening up. That's actually been there's now some training programs. That yes, that's that exciting. You can actually go through that. You know there's some qualification behind yeah. that. Um, there's actually within the veterinary profession now there's a there's a push to get that recognized as a sub field like okay. veterinarian vet nursing to get a like a, a veterinary wow. or a, a rehabilitation okay um, qualification oh so um, they'd also be para veterinarians para veterinarians very type good of thing. either physios or nurses That's or whatever great. and they all do a similar course and so at least you've got some sort of control on mm. on, on what you get out there mm. but I, I tell you I've, and I can see the difference I mean I'm not just talking about arthritis guys I'm mm-hmm. talking about surgeries you know little voice monkeys with Spinal, yes. spinal problems after surgery. You see the difference in those patients really? if they've gone through a proper rehabilitation that's program amazing. versus the one that's ones that they didn't. Yeah, and sure. it's only once you start using this on a regular basis that you really see the rewards the of it. To it and the reward of it. Yeah, that's oh, that's absolutely brilliant. I think it is it is something that needs to be done hand in mm. hand. And I think with with definitely it seems with dealing with this type of arthritis and these conditions, it is a very um, sort of interlinked way of treating. It's not just oh, here's some tablets, bump. You'll it's, be better. Well, I call it, I don't know, holistic maybe. Is yes, that's a good know. word. It involves, <laughs> it involves your vet. It involves mm-hmm. medication. It involves the, the owner. It involves a rehabilitation. So it's, there's a lot of things we bring together mm. um, to give us a synergistic outcome. Okay. In other words, a one plus one equals three instead of one plus one equals two. Mm. Um, and everything does its own little bit. Yes. And with everything together, we're starting to get a much better picture, much better outcomes. Oh, that's and brilliant. we don't just start relying on just give this exactly. every morning type yeah. of thing. There's other options now that yeah. we can explore. Yes, unfortunately, it is sometimes. We have to still give part of this tablet. Yes. But it's part of the tablet. Exactly. Not this whole tablet. Yeah. No, and so, I think yeah. it's definitely something that you can involve the whole family with um with something like this especially the physiotherapy the, well the the rehab side the weight loss side and i think if you if you tackle it head on and you go in with the right with the right attitude you can really make it something you that can make amazing and amazing yeah. and amazing i've had i've had animals that's coming that that people want to put down mm. that they just they just do not they, and Don't I, know I what tell to you do. i feel sorry for some of these um, owners yeah. some of these dogs and some of these owners because these dogs are often they Eight, nine, ten, yeah. twelve months old. They part of the family. Oh, it's so attached to them, and suddenly <gasps> they face the prospect of losing yeah. them. And to see the difference that it makes, um, you see that same dog two months down the line, oh. and suddenly he comes in and he wags his tail. Oh. People are happy, and you get everything together. And suddenly things work, and it's that's just, amazing. It's, that's probably some of the best experience you have. Yeah, just see that difference. That's absolutely amazing. Oh, I wish I wish all all dogs with arthritis could have happy endings <laughs> like that. So, I think we haven't spoken very much about 
spines and arthritis. We mentioned our bad backs, <laughs> but we haven't quite got. Um, and then we mentioned the cat's bad backs. If you see them, stop grooming. Yeah. So, do spines suffer from arthritis? If you take a look at the spine, is a spine is made up of different vertebrae. Yeah. And uh, every little two vertebrae has got a little joints mm-hmm. um, that allows you to turn your neck or up and down, okay. and side to side. And yes, we do get in those little joints, we do get arthritic changes. Um, Once again, unfortunately, it's one of these very vague type of of things that you can't really pinpoint it to one little spot. You Mm. You often just get either dog or specifically cats that just don't do well and Mm. they're comfortable and take x-rays and you do find it. And once again, it's a response to treatment mm. um, more than anything else. Okay. So it is not, I think, high on the list. I think it's probably more underdiagnosed than anything okay. else. I think you do pick up the bigger joints first. Yes. And the upside is that the management of the bigger joints will manage those little, ah, those little things. And also okay. remember, animals walk on four legs. We mm. walk upright. So I think with us, I think it's a, probably a bit more debilitating. I'm not talking about the mm. little dashions with slip discs. Yes, it's a completely that's different. Yeah. different story. Um, but I think there's the different stresses and strains on their spines yes, than these on, than ours. on ours. Okay. But yep, pain definitely. definitely yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what are absolute no-nos for dogs that are arthritic? Well, definitely not keep, um, keeping them overweight. That's a no-no. Get the weight down. Feed them proper food. Don't feed them rubbish. There we go. Stop impact stuff. Yes. So things that people don't realize, throwing toys. Throwing ball and let the dog run and go and fetch it. I know they take them to the dog parks and Mm. they want to let them out and Mm. run. Remember the moment that excitement hits, the dog blocks pain. And they go full tilt and then they're broken. Then they're broken afterwards. So for me, it it is get the weights down. Stop the impact stuff. Yes. Do the gentle stuff. Do lots of walks. Go for okay. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes walks. Okay. See how your animal responds to that, specifically with dogs. You know, cats, even cats you can't take for walks. Some of them do <laughs> learn to go on a collar. Um, I think that's all like the main thing. Try and get swimming on, 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 on board. Try and change a bit of lifestyle. In other okay. words, cold surfaces. You know, if a dog is going to sleep outside now in the middle of the oh. winter and it's arthritic, try and get it oh. in a shelter. You shouldn't spot. have the dog if he's sleeping outside no, in the winter. I know. <laughs> no, I know. But unfortunately, that's the reality, reality of life. You mm. know, soft, padded, proper um, bedding. bedding. Yeah. Um, you know, pamper them a bit, cover them up. Um, so, um, yeah, some of these old dogs do need, they do need a bit of extra care. And a, a special, a big, a big bug, bugbear of mine, and am I right with this? If you see these old dogs with these really long nails, if they have long nails, Ooh, doesn't it change? A, it's a nine puffy and it can grow into their claw, but aren't you, sometimes you see these dogs and it's actually changing the angles, the that's angles say, of their joints. That's why I say a nine. Yeah. A nine. You know, you know, you know, take, any old person with arthritis in Jeez. their little fingers and now you take those fingers and you just bend them at the angle. And unfortunately it's once again it's it's the chicken or the eggs and mm. scenario because they're not that active anymore. Yes. They don't wear their nails anymore. Yeah. Their nails now start growing and the lead, the toes start curving yeah. in different directions and starts putting tension on these joints. So um yep. Keep those Definitely keep them yeah, trimmed. Keep yeah, them it's, it's such a bug, yeah. such a bugbear of mine, amongst others. No, no. So an interesting thing that I once heard, and tell me if I'm right, 
because to stop the impact, but if you have a very high toy driven dog, if you're at a dog park, say, and there is a very safe body of water with a very straight access mm-hmm. point. So no steep or whatever. If you throw that dog's, and it's a water loving dog and a dog that can swim. If you throw the dog's ball into the water and it retrieves from the water, that's yeah. better than on land. What are your yeah. thoughts on no, that? No, definitely. Um, okay. I, would, I would much rather do water work than, than impact. Land, land work. work. Definitely. I think the nice thing about water work is, is there's very little impact on mm. the joints. It works muscle. Yes. So it burns energy and it keeps joints mobile. Okay. And, and with a joint, mobility is life. Okay. Controlled mobility. Ah, As I said before, key. right in the beginning, remember, a joint is made up of two pieces of cartilage, two bones coming together, and mm-hmm. it's got a piece of cartilage on either side, mm-hmm. and that's got a little lining, and that's got a fluid in mm. that lubricates that joint. Yes. Okay. Now, that little cartilage layer does not have a blood supply. It's got no little blood vessels oh, going to, to okay. feed those little cells oh that keep the cartilage healthy. The only place... They can get their food from us from the fluid in the joint. Oh. And the only way that fluid gets into the joint is if those little sponges are compressed. So they oh. push out fluid and they suck in fluid and push out fluid and suck in fluid. And that's why it's important to keep joints mobile. That's one of the okay. reasons. Because if you keep joints mobile in a controlled fashion. Yes. You've actually feed the cartilage. Oh, isn't that clever? All right. Hmm. So, and that's the only way those little cells get their nutrients and everything, and that's the only way they keep that cartilage healthy. If you now take that and you impact it, pound yes. it the whole time, and they're a little bit iffy, and mm. and then and, and then, because with any inflamed joint, the lubricating ability drops, the fluid becomes oh, a bit dear. more watery, okay. becomes a bit more acidic. So you're already sitting there in an environment that's not unhappy. optimal, okay. unhappy. Now you go and pound oh, it. That's not going to be good. good. No. It's definitely not good. And that's a nice thing about, you know, water work is it gives you that movement yes. without pounding, without oh. impact. Also, what tends to happen with some of these joints when they become very arthritic is the, that lining, that capsule that yes. feeds that lubricating fluid actually starts stiffening up. Oh, dear. And that's why we get what we call limited range of motion. Yes. Suddenly the, the leg doesn't extend fully yes. anymore and doesn't okay. flex fully. And at the moment you get close, it becomes sore mm. because now that, that joint capsule becomes what we call fibrotic. It becomes okay. a bit it becomes thickened oh. and now it, the joint can't move as much as uh-huh. it used to anymore and once you get to that point it starts pulling and the, you know, the joint becomes sore so the other thing that water works also helps it helps with that joint mobility okay. to try and keep joint mobility up it helps specifically yeah. in obese animals um, to burn energy to burn mm. calories you know um, because once again the same thing that happens the moment the joints become sore they don't want to mm. walk all that much yeah. anymore they don't want to play all that exactly. much anymore. mom and dad doesn't see doesn't feed less you've got to <laughs> get some way to yeah. energy. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very much for um, water work. Just be very careful, like you said, a gentle entry, yes. gentle out. So, yeah. um, because that's often where things can go wrong. Exactly. Okay. So, I think... As we've we've covered, I think pretty much everything with arthritis. I'm I'm certainly thrilled. I'm going to go home and give my cat. I'm going to do my give my cat a range of motion test and check her out. Yeah. Gus is fine. He's still a he's still a young whippersnapper who's relatively well bred. Well, not well bred, but he's put together quite well. I'm very lucky. <laughs> but I think definitely the first we must stress that the first port of call is your vet. Yeah, I really think you need to work and any whether it's your dog, whether it's your cat, it needs to be in conjunction with. With someone that can guide you. Yeah. Once you know the process, part of that 
management, mm. I think the owner can take over very, very well. But it has to be a consultation yeah. process. It has to be. And and that personality needs to understand what's going on. With yes. Them. They need to be realistic about what yes. the expectations are. They must yeah. know. I'm not going to cure this, yeah. but I can control his pain. Yeah. I can limit the long-term damage. I can give him some quality of life. Mm. Yes, there's a downside. He may need medication. That may have, may have an effect long-term mm. on organ function. Bottom line is you've got to decide. Yeah. You know, and I think definitely don't delay. If you if you get a slight inkling that you think your puppy's walking a bit funny or your old dog's slowing down a bit, I think it's very important that you rather be safe than sorry. Take your animal in, see your vet. Look, I think specifically with puppies, they go for their vaccination. Yes. Just check, check, check. And yeah. if you're not sure, you can get referred. You can get yeah. referred to a specialist. Ask your vet. We are there. That's what we're there for. That's yeah. what we're trained for. Um, so yeah, I think it's extremely important. Yeah, no. Well, Dr. Duplessis, thank you. That has been an absolutely fascinating show. I've, I've le- certainly learned a lot. And listeners, I hope that you have been listening and have stayed with us and have picked up lots of info. Um, we will be back next week. Thanks, Angeline. Thank you. Bye. This is cliffcentral.com.